Hello and welcome back to the CFC Talk podcast. I'm your host, Mohamed Saleja, and a bit of a different one today. Usually on the podcast, we're joined by guests or other people from other platforms as well. But tonight, it's just me on my own because, you know what, I decided, you know, what's the best way to do an episode? And it was it was just doing it myself and talking about Chelsea and football in general and whatever's going on with, with the club at the moment and, and Potter's run. Well, uh, a big game against Brentford this weekend, or not this weekend, but actually midweek, uh, which was which ended up in a draw so that winning streak does come to an end. But in the end of the day, it was a tie and a tough, tough, you know, fixture for Chelsea with the games that have been there in the in in the last few weeks. And then this coming up, it's never an easy place to go into Brentford and and take away a win. And, you know, we've 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 seen it last year as well. They came to Stafford Bridge and beat us 4-1 embarrassingly. So, you know, it's never it was never going to be an easy fixture. And Chelsea do struggle with teams who are defensive, who play with a low block, play with a defense who sits deep. So, you know, it's a bit disappointing. Obviously, it's never a good feeling to come home uh, after a draw against a team like, Brent, like you know, not not like Brentford, because realistically, they've, they've been really uh, doing really well this this season, if they, if it does carry on and if, if with a few more signings, you know they could be a team that could threaten the top six or at least the top eight right now that they're doing as well this season. Could have been three points. We just got the tactics a little wrong in terms of the substitutions as well. I know we're going to get into all of that, but we could have been better in those circumstances and maybe we could have scraped away a win because, as I said, uh, we didn't we we weren't looking for flashy football. We weren't looking for four or five goals it was just a one nil was enough to get us the three points and come home and we knew the man united game this weekend was going to be the fixture to look out for and and the fixture where we'll see every, everyone play which is why sterling was rested Bamiang was rested in the lineup so um that was also going to be a big factor in it and you know we did look a little tired and it was one of those games where coming off of two games in the champions league an away game as well, being one of them being an away game, plus a few other uh, games against Villa and then Wolves as well. So, you know, been a been a tough been a tough few weeks for Chelsea playing games every two or three to three or four days, and the Man United performance for me is going to be a major performance because that's where, I guess, these guys will be tested. Uh, Man United have not been as consistent as as you know as we've been, and. However, they've had the upper hand on us. We haven't won a game since, what, 2017? That Murata goal, that has to be cross uh, under Conte. So, you know, the last thing I want is for us to lose against Man United or even a draw. I think w- a, even a draw in Chelsea fans and, and myself, we won't be happy with that because their team were struggling, not just in terms of the performances they've, they're putting on the pitch, but off the pitch as well with the antics with Ronaldo and everything going on in the back room and, and everything. So uh, that's going to be an interesting discussion that we're going to have later on in the podcast, but going back to Brentford a little bit uh, first half, honestly, let's, let's start with that. Just, just before we get into the first half, actually just the lineups Uh, and honestly, great lineup Uh, looking back at it. I wouldn't change a lot except a few, few of the players around and, I will start off with with the obvious one, I think, which everyone would agree with me is is the Pulisic one that we should have actually started off Pulisic. He's been great under Graham Potter. We've seen a lot of intent from him 
Uh, and the games that he's played, he's shown some potential, which is what you want to see from from Chelsea player, especially from Pulisic, who under Tuchel wasn't performing as well, hasn't had the best of times. And, and you know, all those rumors and articles coming out of him being one of the major reasons why Tuchel is no longer at Chelsea and so on and so forth. But when he did come on, he showed he 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 showed us what what he can do, and he there's the shots that he was taking, the passes that he was making, the chances that he was creating. It was a very different Pulisic to what we've seen before Graham Potter, and this is not just a one-time performance. That was a good performance against uh, Wolves, if I'm not wrong, as well, in one of the other previous games as well. So, I would have thought Pulisic would have started, and I think even in the podcast before that game, I did mention that. I want Pulisic to start and maybe get a goal as well. And he was really close as well with that knuckleball um, shot at, at the goalkeeper where when I think uh, Rea as well, he was surprised by that shot. Uh, but, you know, it's it's one of those where Graham Potter understands that he needs to rotate the squad around. Uh, and that's why I think Kai Havertz started as well, with, along with Broya, who got his first uh, first start as well. So we'll, we'll get into that. But... What he did get wrong in terms of the lineups and in the midfield, I'll say, and I think a lot of people pointed this out as well, is Conor Gallagher in a pivot was was not the ideal situation. Jorginho, the lack of pace, and he was never going to be able to take the ball up the pitch and then recover in defensive situations as well. And as, as we mentioned, the first half, Brighton were really honest. They were trying to get as much as they can, get a goal and just sit back and defend for the rest of the 60, 70 minutes that was remaining. So, you know, he wasn't able to keep the ball. We lost the possession so many times. And and Brentford pressing was, was one of the major reasons why Conor Gallagher was actually struggling because, you know, the, he, he wasn't able to handle the ball well. And, and I think, honestly, when the lineups came out, I thought uh, maybe... We would have had uh, Loftus Cheek as a midfielder. Gallagher would go up, and Mount would be up as well because we didn't, we weren't playing with a with a left winger, and Mount was essentially on the left hand side. I would have thought Gallagher and Mount would have gone up in behind Broya and Havertz, uh, Loftus Cheek in a pivot. But I guess Loftus Cheek had a bit of a right wing back role covering up Aspilicueta. As we've mentioned many a times now, Aspilicueta's pace is a concern, which is why I think Potter needed Loftus Cheek to be there to help him out and clear those lines when when required. Um again, Gal it's not it's not Gallagher's his, um natural position. So we can't really say that it's his own fault. And I think Potter did realize that. And one of the major reasons why he was subbed off uh was was the illness firstly and uh, Potter saying that it's nothing serious and he should be ready for the next game. And it was just a bit of a precaution that he was feeling uh, a bit ill. But as well as that, Potter knew that this wasn't going to last long because Brighton were coming in. And with the defense situation in that first half with Koulibaly, I thought he didn't he didn't come into the game prepared uh, because at the start, Ivan Tony was causing some issues running in behind uh, Koulibaly. The commentators pointed out a few times as well. A few of the players pointed it out as well. And a few changes were made. I think I think he grew into the game. Koulibaly understood what was needed, stayed back a little bit more than, than I guess what he was doing in the first half. And, and, and he, yeah, managed to manage to keep Brentford out because honestly, and I will say this again, I don't, I think I'm, I'm really enjoying saying this quite a lot, but Kepa, Aretha Balaga, once again, just, you know, what a performance from him. 
he's not leaving anything on the training pitch. I think he's he's taking everything in from the coaches and he's bringing it onto the game. And he's been seeing we've been seeing that so many a times when Kulabali struggled. The chances that Brentford were getting, Ariza Balaga made sure they they weren't going to be converted into goals. And he keeps Chelsea in the game and just watching him put in so much effort. It was a bit disappointing that the rest of the team couldn't do enough to get that win. But even even though it wasn't a win, there was a lot of positives to take from this. And uh, yes, the run does stop. But at the end of the day, it's a 38-game long, long run rather than just a five or six-game run. So overall, in defense in the first half and, and even in the second half, we were really good. Shaky at the start with a few chances. They were getting crosses in. And as, as I mentioned, to Ivan Tony uh, getting those chances. And, and what's concerning to me is this defense was without Reese James and we're going to be without Reese James for the next eight weeks. And even after the world cup, it could take him a few games to get settled in, come back, you know, as Chilwell, as Chilwell has taken and Thiago Silva having that hamstring injury and being out this, this game should be available for that Man United game. But again, you can't expect him to start every single game. So we need to really make sure our defense is set in stone. Yes, we did get away with a clean sheet, but against a good team like one of those top four, top two teams, uh, Arsenal and Man City, we could have conceded a few goals. And, you know, we've seen with Chelsea, once we do concede goals, our heads our heads go down and, and we really do struggle. So Chelsea really need to make sure they've got this defence locked in. And with Kante being out as well, there's some midfield issues with with Gallagher having to play in that pivot and, and support Jorginho when his role is much higher up the pitch and, and to create chances and play a bit of a Mount role, I guess, when Mount plays in defense, uh, not in defense, but in midfield. But yeah, uh, it was it was an interesting one to watch as well. But the, the two up front with with Mount and Breuer uh, with no left wing, Mount was a bit on the left hand side. I think overall played really well. Nothing to take away from their performance, uh, and I'm gonna say that for a lot of the players on the pitch on that day, it was it was a really good performance overall. Just just wasn't enough to get us the win. That one goal would have been enough, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, and it's it's you know Broya was was showing a lot of threat to the opposition. The chances that he was creating, that big chance. Obviously, if he passed it, he could have done it. But that's just him, you know, not having that experience of of. And, and and awareness of of other players on on the pitch, but you can't really blame him for you can't really blame him if he in the first case if he would have gotten that turn correctly he would have taken that shot, but um if that pass to Mount would have actually connected would have been a great goal and and it would have been a great link up for for Broya as well, but he's been showing really a, he's been showing some great performances not just this game but even the last few games he's really shown what he can do, and he's been much better than Kai Havertz and I think when we talk about Kai Havertz in this game it's going to be a long long long, uh, de- long 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 con not not a debate because it's going to be a one sided conversation of just not understanding why Kai Havertz started that game. He was really he was really poor and disappointing. Honestly, he just struggled to play, and it was one of those games where he could have come on and he when he got the chance to start, he should have taken it head on and been like, right, today I'm gonna have to score a goal. Today I'm gonna have to create some chances. Today I am going to cement my place into the into the scene because realistically, with Pulisic performance, with Pulisic performing, Broya performing, Abamyang performing, Sterling performing, and Mount, there's not a lot of options for Havertz to come into and break into that team and and become a regular starter and you know 
there was a pivot behind him. As, as I mentioned, Mount was in behind him at times as well. Mount was on the left-hand side. He, I think Graham Potter had a few different things going on just to try and get Kai Havertz to grow into that game, to find something Kai Havertz can do. And he had so much space at times to create those chances, maybe look for a good pass, maybe do a one-two, try and get in behind defenders, but there was nothing, absolutely nothing from Kai Havertz. And this conversation is going to be, it's it's not a conversation that's just going to be happening at the, you know, in the fans' ends of things. It's not just the Twitter conversation. And I feel like with a few games to come that are, you know, and by the time the World Cup kicks off, this is a conversation the Chelsea board, the Chelsea management will be having because they'll be like, look, Kai Havertz, we we've, we expect him to perform under a new manager. We've seen Pulisic turn it around. We've seen Breuer turn it around. Aubameyang performing as well. Obviously, didn't have a lot of time under uh, Thomas Tuchel. But when they see all of those players performing, they'll go, well, what's, what's wrong with Kai Havertz? This is, a, this is a very similar situation to what, Timo Werner's Timo Werner was going through something that Ziyech has been having because we haven't seen much of Ziyech under Potter, and that's basically because his performance under Tuchel was abysmal, and his attitude, I think, was was really abysmal. And what Pulisic has turned it around. Yes, he hasn't gotten the goals, he hasn't gotten the assists, and he's only gotten one goal in the last few games. But the attitude and the and the effort that he's putting off the ball is just incredible to see, which is why a lot of people are appreciating him and taking back what they said about Pulisic being sold and stuff. So. And I, I myself at times maybe have said where we've spent so much money on a player like Pulisic and and him not living up to those expectations hasn't been nice to see. So it is quite a, a nice a nice change to see Pulisic play the way he is. And it's, it's just, I just really hope that it, he is consistent, no injuries coming in and touch wood, he just plays really well up until the World Cup. And then it, it'll be interesting to see what happens after the World Cup once he comes back from the USA squad. But once again, going back to Havertz, um, he had the chance to create those those chances, get in between the lines, but nothing, nothing from there as well. So, uh, and and I think in terms of Potter, yes, the mistake of starting him, uh, and at the same time giving Potter the benefit of the doubt, he didn't expect Kai Havertz to play the way that he did. But what Graham Potter should have done was just taken Kai Havertz off. Uh, way earlier than than what he did like he shouldn't have been there in the 81st minute on the pitch uh, for me it, it just didn't make any sense to me because when you've got a Bamiyang coming on in the 81st minute replacing Kai Havertz and whereas Broya and both Mount taken off in the 62nd minute is it's it's not a good look because those two pe- those two players were performing and while on the other hand Kai Havertz was struggling and we needed I guess we needed a striker who could cause threat because when you've got Broya off the pitch, Kai Havertz was was there, and in instead of instead of Havertz and, and Mount, we had we had Pulisic and Raheem Sterling come in, so we didn't have any striker who could cause any any threats, any issues, and and eighty one minutes for Kai Havertz is is just not the right. It doesn't it does doesn't send the right message to a lot of the players, and he had one shot. If that, uh, if if you want to even count it as a shot, like forty five touches, if you want to talk about stats and stuff. So, uh, a lot of the times that he was dispossessed and and unable to even complete passes. So, uh, not the best of his nights. And and where Potter went wrong was was he should have substituted Kai Havertz earlier. Bamiang should have come on. Broya maybe we should have stayed on the pitch. Maybe uh, we could have just swapped out Kai Havertz and Raheem Sterling and Mountain Broya and Sterling could have done something. So it's it's one when that it's one of those 
games where Potter must have learned a lot in terms of Gallagher, where he played in that pivot, and and Kai Havertz, what his future is like at Chelsea FC. Because in realistically, yes, we did draw a game. Yes, we've come off so many games in the last two weeks. What we've played four or five games in the last two weeks, including or six games, including this one now. And we've got so many games coming up with that Liverpool and Fulham game as well, which is postponed and has to be played before Christmas, which which essentially means that that we're well, not Christmas, but it's by the end of the year, which essentially means that before the World Cup. So it's it's a jam-packed schedule. And but at the same time, Potter's gonna really have to think about who he plays. Yes, rotation is key, but you can't rotate and bring in players who are performing like Kai Havertz did on the night. And I really do hope he turns around because he's one talent that I've really looked forward to, along with Pulisic. Those two guys were really two of my favorite signings at Chelsea in recent times and two signings that I'd really wanted to see hit off and, and play really well at Chelsea, but it just hasn't happened. And Pulisic, nice to see him come back. But but Kai Havertz really needs to really needs to get his stuff sorted out. But talking about the second half, uh, once again, that sixty-second minute substitution with with Man and Breuer coming off was made no sense. And and Abamyang, he was a threat as well. I know I'm saying this for for Breuer as well, but both of those guys have been a threat to the opposition and the defense. And he was the perfect guy to just stand in there and try and hit off a header or try and get in a you know, when a cross comes in to try and attack it as much as he can. And but bringing him on in the 81st minute isn't going to make do a lot of difference because a player needs five or 10 minutes just to settle into the game. You can't expect him to come on and, and score a goal right away. So it is one of those which which Potter will look at. But one of the one of the performance which I was really happy with 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 uh Carney uh coming in and and the intent he showed, the chances he created uh, the issues he caused to Brentford with the few shots that he took. And obviously, yes, he could have done better in, in some situations and he could have perform, performed a little better. But again, he's still young. He hasn't gotten a lot of minutes. He's he's only played he's only played as a sub for, uh, in the games that he's played in. So once he really gets his confidence up, I think he'll he'll understand what he needs to be what needs to be done and and to be doing. And in conclusion, honestly. It's one of those games where we knew it was not going to be an eventful game. It's, it wasn't going to be uh, a, a very brightful game of, of four or three, four or five goals, but it was just going to be one of those where we scrape away a uh, victory. Uh, but even a draw isn't bad. It's going to be, it's, 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 it's a learning lesson for Potter and it's going to be a build up to Man United coming up. So, uh, and I think the only difference, I guess the only, I guess the biggest one would be that you know, a team like Chelsea weren't aren't able to take the chances and create enough, I guess, which is why we're still like a mid-table team struggling to get into that top four compared to Arsenal Man City, who've been incredible in terms of taking those chances and and creating those chances for themselves in, in games like these. Cause in the end of the day, yes, it's a marathon, but losing out on games like these do affect us at the end of the season. And it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna all come down to to just playing against Man United, winning against them, making sure that gap is is bigger than three points, the uh, bigger than one point actually, what it is right now. And, and if they do win, then then it's gonna be uh, a bit of a uh, there will be a fair few questions asked from Graham Potter because that'll be a big test for Chelsea uh, with a few squad members from from Man City, Man United uh, who, who are out as well. So. Um, in terms of Kai Havertz, just conclude, concluding on what 
needs to be done with him. And I think Bowley being fierce and not not caring, I guess, about not giving I get more or less on what I'm trying to say is is Todd Bowley is ruthless. And he'll look at this Kaya performance and if this continues on, he won't think twice replacing him because we've already been hearing rumors about Nkunku, Liao and the other transfers and, and how you know we're even ready to spend big in January whereas we've already done so much in, in the summer window and we've already planning for next summer window with Rice and everyone else in, defense, in midfield and we need three midfielders coming in but he really is someone who really needs to up his game, take the opportunities that he gets. And in games like these, especially just take those chances, just become consistent. We're not as a, as a fan, you don't expect, or yes, there are a few players you expect goals from each week, but someone like Kai, we're not expecting him right now to score every single week, but we're just expecting him to create those chances, to show that intent, to show the intensity, to attack, to threat the goalkeeper, to cause threat to the defense. And once you start doing that, automatically goals and assists will come and, and you know, you'll build up your confidence from there. But he just really needs to build it out and and get things sorted out before Boldy decides, well, it's time, it's time's up. And and when, when an offer comes in, uh, Boldy wouldn't think twice to accept that one, but moving on to the Man United game, the big one, I think it'll be a very, very interesting game, but the biggest news of them all right now, Ronaldo out of the squad uh, for Man United. And the reason for that, for those who might not know, is him walking out before the match ended uh, in the last Man United game. And I think he wasn't playing as well in that game. So a bit disappointing to see someone like Ronaldo do something like that, an ambassador of the game, when when someone watches a game like Man United games, because realistically, the Premier League is an international league where people from around the world watch it. But player, when players do things like this, it does affect the, the image of the club. It does affect the manager. It does affect the team morale. So it's not something that's taken lightly. And I think one of the biggest reasons why Thomas Tuchel didn't want Ronaldo at Chelsea was this, the ego issue, which comes from someone who's achieved everything there is to achieve in football and more. I mean, Ronaldo, Messi, two of the greatest footballers of all time, and I can sit here for hours and hours and talk about their accolades and their achievements, but realistically, it is time for them to hang out, hang up their boots. And that's why I think Messi made it very clear this is the last World Cup. Ronaldo knows this is the last World Cup. And in a few years, we will see them retire and put their boots up, not because they're not going to be performing at that level, but because youngsters need a chance. They won't be getting so much game time. They'll they'll want to come out of the game and and say, right, that's it. We've we've set records, we've we've broken records, we've challenged each other for the last 10, 15 years, El Clasico games, broken any viewership records there are to break, uh, bar a World Cup Portugal versus Argentina final. It'll be it'll be very surprising to me if if Ronaldo does end up at one of the big clubs in Europe anymore, because I think this is it for him and this will be the end of the curtain for him. And this is why I didn't want him at Chelsea as well. I think he's an incredible player, but just not something Chelsea need right now. 
we if we're gonna have if we're gonna think about the future in the next five years, then Ronaldo isn't someone you want running down the wing five years from now, um, and and taking such a huge chunk of the of the wage bill for himself, and rightly so. I'm not I'm not gonna talk a lot of about his wages because what he's done at Real Madrid, what he's done at Man United in his first spell, what he's done at any any, any other club for Portugal, uh, even even for Portugal, it's it's unimaginable for any player or it's a dream for any footballer to do things like those so um respect to him for for getting to where he is but you know i think it's 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 time to put the curtains on the on the career and and call it day or um step aside and let the youngsters take over because that's how that's how it works um a player can never be bigger than the game or bigger than a team or a squad so um yeah you either listen to the manager you just step aside it's it's Someone who's been in football for so long should understand that. But uh, moving to Chelsea, I think the lineups for for United, for me, I think Kepa has to start. There is no other choice. Mendy, I do feel sorry for him. Like we've we've seen a few videos of him on the bench and just how he's he's been covering up his face and all. But realistically, Kepa's come in. He got a few chances and he's taken him. And 450 minutes or more, actually, with added time, uh, since the last time Kepa conceded in all competitions and Mendy has struggled in the start of the season. Maybe under Potter, it might've been a different situation, but Kepa has done nothing wrong for me to drop him. And, and in the goalkeeper position, there isn't a lot of rotation needed. So Kepa should hundred percent start. And I think for Mendy, if he wants, if he, if he wants a chance to come in and that, that chance will probably be that Man City game in the Carabao Cup. And so he needs to be prepared for that. He needs to come in and, and give it, give it, give the best performance. Cause realistically Man City aren't going to back down with putting up a strong squad and neither are Chelsea. Cause this is a competition that everyone wants to win and beating Man City would mean that you go very far in the tournament because those are, he, they are the team to beat in, in competitions like those. And we have struggled in the past to do that. So uh, it'll be a good game for us to beat as well and a good game to give a, a few of the other players a chance as well. But moving moving back to Man United, I, I keep moving out of the Man United game. Um, as far as as far as the other starters go, for me, Pulisic has to start. He's, he's proven his worth. He needs to start alongside Mount. And then in front, Bamiyang has to start as well for me. The reason I don't want Broya up there is because the Man United defence has struggled yes but at the same time everyone's on on everyone on that man united pitch has got more experience than broya and Aubameyang knows what he's doing against man united broya more than happy to come on uh after halftime after 65 minutes and, and replace Aubameyang when there's a goal there already but really sickly i want Aubameyang up in there and i think that's one of the main reasons why Aubameyang and and sterling both arrested against brentford could to to give them some time to rest before that man united and that big game so for me, both of those guys start, and it's clear as daylight. Kai Havertz has to sit on the bench for this game. Uh, not even sure if if he should come on as a sub, and and we should just use other subs. But that would be one of those. But we need to just pressure them out. We need to really make sure we take our chances. We need to make sure we start off really well. Uh, don't let them grow into the game. It's a home game. We're gonna have the fans backing the whole ninety minutes, and you know, just make br- the bridge a hell of a place for them to even try and take a shot or try and pass it around, but just really make them struggle. As long as you make them struggle, they will cave in and eventually we'll get our chances to to take them as well. In terms of a score, I don't want to say a draw. And the reason I say that is because 
they've been inconsistent and they have struggled. Even though, yes, they've beaten Man City, they've beaten Arsenal, they've beaten Man City as well, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I can't remember if they've beaten Man, Man City or not, but they have had a good record against the big six. So uh, it's it's not a game that we should take lightly. It's not a game where uh, we can we can afford to be lenient and allow those allow those uh, allow Man United to grow into the game. I, I'm not saying they beat Man City, but they've lost six to. I've just realized. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those games where we really need to make sure we we're on top of things. They've just come off a of, of a win against Tottenham Hotspur. That's the one that I was looking for. But we just pressure them out and and don't don't get a draw. Just get a one nil win, two nil win. I can't afford to see another draw and then wait another few months for another game because we haven't won since 2017 it's been a long time we've replaced multiple managers and if we still can't beat man united and a team like man united right now who have so much going on that that it should be the perfect time to beat them and it is it is the perfect time to beat them so for me i think 2-1 um they will score they they they've got a good attacking side in anthony uh, but two one maybe two nil maybe one nil what could happen but I think two nil two one should be should be the score on the night and and it'll be a great great game to watch as well both teams will will go at it but in terms of the other topics the January signings a lot of things going on around Chelsea with Graham Potter commenting on the Zakaria situation I think there was something on there that there has no decision been made yet because there was rumors about him going on a loan well let's see what's what's going to happen with that because right now it just doesn't make any sense. Because Zakaria was brought in as a replacement for Kante. And Kante has been out for the last few weeks. He's going to be out for the next few weeks as well. But there's no certainty around Zakaria coming in and replacing him and being that number six position that we need. But it is it is a bit, I guess, annoying and a bit weird to me that this situation's come to this. Because, yes, he's Tuchel signing. But at the same time, you don't, like, I highly doubt that Potter saying that he doesn't trust him enough to get some minutes is is the real reason. There has to be something else in there. But in 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 the other news, Reese James Kante still injured. Reese James going to be out for the World Cup as well. Uh, but he could make that sixty four man or fifty four man squad that Graham uh, that not Graham Potter, but Gareth Southgate is planning to make an announcement on uh, in a few weeks. And Kante obviously misses out on the World Cup and and that surgery that has been done. So. Um, Really gonna miss them right now because realistically the games that are coming in we need players like Reese James and Kante to put in that shift and uh, someone who can cover the whole pitch and someone who can create those chances for Chelsea. Uh, but in terms of that Nkunku and Liao situation, as mentioned, if Kai Havertz doesn't perform well, I think Bowling knows what he's doing and he's got two great options lined up and uh, he won't hesitate twice to to cause some some stir at Chelsea in terms of those front positions. But those are those are things to talk about in, in more closer to the window, but a lot to talk about as well. And yeah, in terms of the Man United game, going to be a big one. A lot of people uh, will be looking forward to Chelsea, uh, I guess, struggling in that game because they want to say something about Potter. But I think Chelsea fans know that in Potter, we do trust him and... Yeah, I think he can. He can. He can realistically do the job and and make Ten Hag really struggle at the bridge and and Man United really struggle on the night. Two one is my score prediction. But uh, let us let us know what you guys think of the, of 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 that game and the 
game against Brentford. Should we have taken that three points? And then let us know what you, what you guys think. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages. Uh, we'll be back after the Man United game, reviewing that with a few other, uh, with, with a guest as well. We're going to be back to regular podcasts. If you didn't enjoy 30, 31, 32 minutes of just me speaking uh, in a hole, haven't taken a break as well. So yeah, thank you guys for watching. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Follow us on all of our social media pages, like the video and comment below what you guys thought and we'll see you next time. Then stay safe.